Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 underway Monday edition. We are back. 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us as we recap the football weekend. A lot to discuss. We've got NFL teams where good teams are now starting to make their mark going into week five. Now that we are fully into October. Plenty of quarterback storylines that we'll get into. Injuries and more. That's all coming up in the show. College football-wise, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. All show they have issues, but all show they're still in the top tier of college football. We'll get into that, plus uh, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, A&M, Kentucky, uh, Ole Miss topping Kentucky. We'll dive into the SEC headlines, and Chad's Braves swept the Mets. Don't know if uh, many know that across the South. I mean, everyone, everywhere I turn, the Braves were uh, all over, all over my timeline this weekend. Gentlemen, good afternoon. It's amazing that Southerners, uh, they hate baseball, when it's Aaron Judge pursuing 62. Yeah. But all the ones that are watching the SEC are watching those Braves also. Team. And uh, what a weekend it was for the Braves. Fun weekend of football, regardless. That There were – I wouldn't call this you know a crazy weekend of upheaval that we've seen with big upsets. But there were some teams that maybe were exposed in some blowouts we didn't expect, especially in college. There were other teams that were exposed as someone that could, that's beatable, which we didn't think before. I'm looking at Georgia – right now with their performance uh, against M- Missouri this weekend. So, fun weekend. Looking forward to talking about all of it today. I, I don't want it to be like, oh, they were exposed and they might lose later. I want them to lose now in the game where the other team has the lead. I want them not to – I want them to finish the job. I want that exciting game to, to get over the hump because I don't think it's going to happen very often, right? That was their <clears> – <throat> that might have been the one, right? That might have been the A&M game for Alabama la- last year. So Possibly. I, I want to I see it. Possibly. Uh, I want to see it finish. Congrats to the Bra- Braves. I mean, I, I watched a half you. an inning. But, uh, you know, Twitter keeps you aware of what's going on. And the Mets choking is one of my favorite things. So uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, now, the, the look, Mets, no matter way, how well the teams. Mets play – they're going to burn their pitching in the wild card series and be set up for failure. The the Mets one of those things I I tweeted and you responded to it, Paul. And this was a common refrain when I said, "How how are we feeling, New York City?" After the Mets, and everybody's like, "Oh, the, you know, New York City doesn't care about the Mets. No one in New York City cares about the Mets. It's the Yankees, and everybody's concerned with Judge. So they're just fine." It wasn't just you that said that. And then I'm thinking, you know, I know a lot of Mets fans, even locally in Middle Tennessee, that claim the Mets all year, and they're just wildly silent right now. I'm not hearing anything from Mets fans. So who claims the Mets? Is it Jersey? Is it Connecticut? Is it Queens? Is it somewhere in Middle well, Tennessee? It's Queens for sure. I mean, it, they seem to have kind of a national fan base in some ways too. It's Queens for sure. But the uh, national it, fan base rises when they're good. It's, and it's amazing very quiet though how no bad. one's claiming them right now. No one seems, it's just incredible how that happens. 
It's a it's a pretty big choke, and I I think they're doomed in the playoffs now. Um, you know, well they're going to get the Padres in a three game series. Now, granted, let's not they might let's beat not the Padres. completely say the Braves can't get swept by the Marlins and then have the Mets sw- sweep their final series. If the Braves win a single game against the Marlins, it's going to be Padres Mets winner kidding the Dodgers. Yeah, in the next round. And look, I just the way this is punitive for the two teams that don't get to rest because you use up your pitching going into the next series, right? It doesn't always play out like you imagine it plays out, but you're going into the second series having used up your pitching in a way that the team sitting and waiting doesn't. You've got a big advantage going into that second series. Can I make a, a slight confession, but also ask you guys your opinion on this? Because I got a very mixed reaction to it over the weekend when talking about this with some buddies. Uh, when I'm watching Georgia-Missouri that we were talking about, most of America is all in on Mizzou pulling the upset and being the number one team in America. And normally I'm that way. But as a Tennessee grad, I find myself rooting for order. Not to be, not to have upheaval in the order of. You want to be the team. I want to be the team that beats Georgia, but not just that. I don't want Missouri thinking they're good at all. <laughs> and right? Eli like, Drinkwitz is what you're saying. I, I hate Eli Drinkwitz. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I'm on the record with that. I can understand that. I, I think he's a smarmy putz, quite frankly, and I think he's done a terrible job in <sighs> Missouri. We've got some stations in Missouri. Let them know. And I think that he gets a lot of credit where credit's not due. And now all of a sudden, Missouri fans are petitioning for him to be fired after the Auburn game, and they come back home, and hey, full credit to him, their season looked like it was sliding downhill, getting blown out by K-State, losing that way they did to Auburn, which is a dead man walking program, and they rally the troops, and they have a great game plan, and suddenly their defense looks like the 85 Bears against Georgia, have no clue where that came from, and they look great, but I'm watching the game, guys, and I'm rooting like hell for Georgia to come back and win because I'm thinking, I don't want Missouri to have anything over Tennessee. I don't want them to feel good about anything. I like the way things are right now where it's Georgia, it's Alabama, then it's a collection of two or three teams, Tennessee being one of them. I don't want Missouri feeling good about things. I want them to continue to be down. Is that weird of me? Would it have been different if it was somebody other than Missouri? Oh, sure, if it was anyone outside the SEC. Even if it was no, uh, and any other even, SEC team, SEC team, even if you it was wanted? a bad SEC West team, I, I would have wanted it more than a team in Tennessee's division being the one to do it. It's weird because I understand people are coming back and saying, "Well, that's counter to everything." I mean, you want Georgia to start to show cracks because they're the dominant team, but I found myself rooting for them in an odd way. I understand where it comes from, but Missouri's. Bad enough that you shouldn't feel threatened by them hurting Georgia. I would think Georgia being hurt would be bigger to you than Missouri yeah, I, having any success. Look, every argument I've received in response to this has been compelling to me, to where I've, <clears throat> I, I'm actually challenging my own thinking as to why, why was I rooting for Georgia in that game. But the heart wants what the heart wants. Here's my friend's line when he used to break up. And I found myself rooting for Georgia When he broke up with the girl, his line was, I can't help how I feel. I would have loved to have been able to live bet this. I wasn't around my phone. This game, so it was around 28 points all week long. It got to 31. At one point in the game, Georgia was plus 100 on the money line. Georgia against Missouri was plus 100 on the money line with DraftKings. 
Uh, I would have loved to have live bet that. And Kirby, uh, Kirby Smart had a, a same reaction, very similar reaction to Saban last year where great teams find a way to win. They win these games. So uh, he was not pissed off for greatness after the game, at least publicly. He had this look of relief. And Stetson Bennett, even at his worst, is really good this year. And their defense is too. It, despite this being a really bad day for Georgia, their defense only gave up one touchdown and 294 total yards. So, I, you know, Missouri's not that team. I, I think if, you know, if we're going to use Tennessee as the example, Kent State runs a very similar offense, not as efficient, a similar style, pace. Kent State put up points against Georgia's defense a, a week ago. And now you have, in back-to-back games, this was supposed to be the get-right game, where you have Kent State, who well, maybe you look ahead and you don't really take them serious. And everyone thought, this, this is where they don't have the mental errors. This is where they don't have the muff punt. They don't turn the football over. They don't allow a defensive score. They don't have a, a terrible day at the line of scrimmage offensively. And it was the opposite. And if you give the ball to Hendon Hooker twice in the first half, Tennessee's winning the game. Uh, well, and I'm, I'm not just putting Tennessee in that. Kentucky's feeling better about their chances at home against Georgia right now. Kentucky, I'll say it again after this. We're going to talk about Kentucky Ole Miss. Will Levis. There's a difference there. Dramatically overrated. Uh, the QBR yeah. backs me up. His numbers back me up. His in-game decision-making in big moments backs me up. Good. He's not a very good player. I get the physical tools and that he's got a great arm and he can run a little bit and whatever. He's not a great quarterback right now, but Kentucky's got a defense that can bend but not break. That's what Mizzou did most of the game, holding Georgia to field goals. If you get in a game like that, I think Kentucky's offense is better than Mizzou, so they're going to have a chance at home. (laughs) Hutton, you brought up Tennessee. Tennessee's going to score on Georgia. Right. They scored on them a year ago more than anyone else in the regular season. Well, not much, but they did score. Yeah, but they're going to score this year because it's a better offense. Now, are they going to stop Georgia? Probably not, but... If Georgia's playing offense the way they did against Missouri, it's just <clears throat> it shows a little bit of evidence that oh they can play really bad. And that's what Georgia found a way. Give them credit; they played awful based on what their standard of play should be with their talent. They got guys you know getting in pregame skirmishes with Missouri players and pointing to the ring on their finger. That's not what you want right now for Georgia after the one national title, but that's where they are. This probably wakes them up, though, quite frankly. And I think we'll see a, a much better Georgia moving forward. Well, but here's what, here's what woke them up. Uh, Georgia turned the ball over twice. They punted three times. They failed to score on their first five drives, and then they scored on six consecutive possessions to take the lead and win the game. So even in an off week, they, they wake up in the moment instead of needing a, a loss to wake them up which is different than, you know, good teams. To me, that's a separation. That's Georgia and Alabama and then the rest, at least right now. Tennessee will have their chance against both teams coming up. I can't wait for the Bama game in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's... um, By the way, uh, 3.30 Eastern kickoff for that. And Bama, Bama and Georgia, the talent is through the roof, but both now have shown the ability to hurt themselves well, and that, know, that's what it's going to take to beat them they're going to have to hurt themselves some i saw the score and went back and watched and and it reminded me of kansas city last week against the colts kansas city had no business losing that game but they muffed a punt they turned the football over they had a horrendous day on special teams 
they what missed an extra point or a chip shot field goal against the Colts. That's why they lost, and then they had a get-right game last night in Tampa, where Mahomes is back to his MVP self, uh, doing the putting on the magic show. Georgia's home for a month now. Yeah, Georgia's Auburn, got a Vandy, very Florida, favorable. Tennessee. They've got a very favorable schedule this year, uh, and they get. Uh, I think their biggest test left well, is Tennessee, and it's in Athens. They're not home for a month. They will go to Jacksonville for the cocktail party. Oh, yeah. but yeah. yeah, but yes. I mean, they're, they're technically the home team this year. And the recruits are allowed, by the way. They, they're allowing the up. recruits to show up. They, that's why Kirby didn't want to play the game in Jacksonville. He says it doesn't help us. We well, can't that's have, a good change. We can't have recruits there because of the, the neutral field. I think if you play a game annually on a neutral field, um, then you should be allowed to host recruits just across the board. I'm not sure if that's the case with like Texas A&M Arkansas, yeah. which is in Jerry's world in, in Arlington. But they should be allowed to host recruits, both teams, uh, to that game. If you're going to do it every year, like they are right now, just like the, the cocktail party. Paul, did you make it to Indy this weekend? I did not. <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was a struggle. First half for the Colts, second half for the Titans. But now the Titans return after the victory at 2-2. Two and two. Jacksonville's also 2-2 two and two in the division, uh, where Trevor Lawrence has his worst game as a pro. Really? Turns bad. it over five times, lost four fumbles, and threw a pick. Uh, the Eagles remain unbeaten at 4-0, the only unbeaten team remaining, and that could continue for a while. They're on the road this week in Arizona, which is one of the two 325 window games in Week 5, and that will be on Fox, as will Cowboys-Rams. Uh, I think the majority of the country gets Cowboys-Rams. The Eagles are very intriguing to me just based on their style of play right now. They're legit. I mean, <clears throat> it's a little surprising, the... the uh... I mean, not the parody, but the the fact that everybody's two and two uh, across the, the, the AFC. Uh, there's so many teams. Eight, there are eight teams that are two and two. Yeah, it's a it's a lot um, when you look at the standings. Like nothing really jumps out out at. I think you. that's a. I think it's kind of a quirk, though. I do too. Um, I think just by chance, we had a lot of bad teams and good teams <clears throat> meet each other to start the first month of the season. That. You know, like the Colts are the Colts are not good against Jacksonville. They're going to play twice within the first five, six weeks, seven weeks of the season. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how I read into the the two and two matchups as much as uh, some of the one and three teams right Colts now. Colts are not good. No. Period. I mean, they're not threatening. And they I don't should be. Think, they should be one and for, three for anything. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, Jaguars played terribly with the five turnovers, like you mentioned. And lost by what eight? No, oh, they led against, fourteen nothing against the best team in in the league. Oh yeah, it was fourteen zip. And then uh, the Eagles went for it on a big fourth and goal from the three, and Hertz scored scrambling on that play, and that got them going. At that point, they, they, four, they took off from there. All four, of which was my yeah, way of saying I kind of believe in the Jags. Like the Jags are an ascending team. I don't know that anybody else in the AFC South can talk about ascending at all. I mean, the Texans can't be any worse no. if you want to talk about ascending teams. But Davis teams. Mills is, They're going to have a lot of Mills high draft picks coming up. Davis Mills is not ascending. They're in the hunt for a quarterback. Well, their number one overall pick will be, though, yeah. <laughs> that they're going to have. Yeah, currently. This year will be right around it, so they're going to have a quarterback. That currently, they, can, they have it. They can, they can draft. Yeah, it, the AFC South is bad. But the Titans, that was a big win. They went to Indy and won. They did their They're find the driver's seat now to go 2-0 and against Indy again. And it felt like – I'm not 
I buried a couple teams after one or two weeks in the league. I'm not going to make the mistake of doing that again, but boy, it felt like the shovel came out on starting the burial process of Indy with that loss at home to the Titans. Well, oh. I felt that way after Jacksonville in week in week two. I but felt like just that in November good. of last year. Yeah, like, Ryan's yeah. Ryan looks really old, um, and and <clears throat> I mean they're a lesser version of the Titans. They don't have weapons. Um, and, uh, you know, and Jonathan Taylor looks to me like last year was kind of fluky. Well, now he's got an ankle issue and they play on Thursday night in Denver. I mean, if you breathe on Matt Ryan, he's fumbling right now. The the first fumble of the game, he he was not hit hard. It's like he, they made contact with his body and he just lost the, the football. Yeah. He's, he is not, they, they have not clicked at all. Uh, in, in the passing game. And their, their run game, I mean, Taylor, for games where he's had over 20 carries, this was his worst performance. He only averaged just over two yards per carry yesterday against the, the Titans. And I, I've been pointing to this, and maybe it happens because they have an open week or weekend coming up because they play Thursday in Denver. But after that, they'll have back-to-back division games. Here. And October 23rd will be the final matchup against the Titans. They'll be coming off of a game against Jacksonville. Stupid schedule. And that's where Frank Wright could be coaching for his job. Because all offseason, there has been two points made. Number one, Carson Wentz is to blame. For and number everything. two, the bar is in Tennessee. Yep. And that's coming directly from ownership. So if you want to uh, look at the odds right now and say, hey, uh, outkick.com slash bet, what can we get on a futures uh, wager on first coach to be fired? You may be looking at him in Indy, although no one nationally is going to mention him. Titans are definitely in their head. For I mean, it's unquestionable. And, you know, they had that one last chance. They were down at the 23-yard line. I felt like they were going in to score. And that's where Taylor, your allegedly best player, yeah. gets stripped by a guy that showed up in Tennessee last Tuesday, Joe Schober. Uh, Christian Fulton recovers it. And, and uh, I felt like it was pretty much game over at that point, despite the fact that the Titans – can't do anything um, in, in the second half. But I, I would say this. If I told you guys, hey, the Titans score 24 and have three takeaways, I think we all say, hey, they win. You know, and we're not talking about when the points are scored. We're talking about 24 with three takeaways is enough to beat the Colts for virtually anybody. Sure, but it's also <clears throat> concerning that I, I knew when they just completely discombobulated at the end of the first half and couldn't get points, that was, that was bad. Yeah, and that's They needed not- to be up three scores to have a chance. Not, not to win. I'm right. thinking that's going to come back to haunt, and it did, and that that's the only reason the Colts threatened in the second half. But th- that's they're not in a good spot where there's zero counterpunch. No. It and is a game all... plan for the week, and it's going to work in that first half. And if it does, great, but you better be up big at halftime because you got nothing. And our confidence that. collectively is based on Vrabel. They're doing some non-Vrabel things with that. Traylon Burks hurts his foot and doesn't know to go down and get off the field, so they run a crucial third down with a guy who's hopping. You know, they have uh, uh, too many men on the field on defense. They have an illegal motion or whatever it was on offense. All those things kind of added up, and while they won, they're just not playing that crisp, smart level of football that's usually a Vrabel hallmark. Well, two of those are Traylon Burke's problem, and I'm tired of hearing about rookie <clears throat> mistakes. That's not a rookie mistake. That's a football mistake. You learned that in high school. You learned that at Arkansas. Get off or go down. Not only that, get out of bounds 
on the one. He's got ample time to get out of bounds and stop the clock late first half. Before the clock. He does that, and then in the fourth quarter, dude, get on. you don't go line up and wave someone off and, and then hop. not run a yeah. route when the ball is snapped, and, and like your quarterback ends up sacked because there's one less guy in the route because that fall down. Yeah, it was bad. That, that's not – Let's eliminate the, 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 the rookies making rookie plays. And these no, you learn that before you get to the NFL. That's that's bad on him. Well, he's not going to be in the lineup for a bit. He's got turf toe. Not going to require surgery. But um, according to Ian Rappaport, they don't know the extent of how long he's going to miss. He didn't say he would not miss time. He said it's unknown how much he will miss. So more Cody Hollister and hopefully more Josh Gordon. So the the Titans are will now prepare for a game in Washington. We're we're gonna get you ready for Monday Night Football tonight as well with the Rams and 49ers. That's a bit later. Later we'll tell you the rest of the the injury concerns from across the league, all the quarterback mixing and matching that's happening right now in I the was NFL. Wrong on one big time. There are uh, there are plenty of discussion points, and we'll also uh, update you on what we learned over the weekend with the concussion protocol, or at least they're discussing changing immediately the concussion protocol it definitely affected the weekend after what happened last thursday night when we come back though rapid fire around the sec and college football the top 25 we'll take a look at that and recap the college football matchups of this past weekend on i'll kick 360 you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Fun weekend, crazy weekend in the SEC. We're going to get to the rankings in just a moment. Uh, but let's start, guys. We, we mentioned Georgia in, in the first segment of the show. Mount Kick 360 rolls on. Bama wins over Arkansas. Final score is 49-26, but what a wild game. Three big swings of momentum where early on, Alabama is like a video game with how easily they're putting up, and fast, they're putting up, what, 21 points over the span of, what, eight plays. They converted a third and 15, and from that, and then they score two plays later. And then right after that, you look up, and it's 21 points quickly for the Tide. And then Bryce Young gets hurt, and that swings things back to Arkansas's way. I thought Arkansas played this game way conservative, too conservative at times even for Arkansas's uh, line of thinking. They settled for field goals inside the red zone when they needed touchdowns. But despite all that, late in the game, they were one-third down conversion away from having the football down five points with possession. So, I mean, they would argue they played this the right way and they didn't get a, get a stop when they needed it. But the big news is with Bryce Young and the shoulder where he, and I thought CBS was tremendous with this, and, and going through and all the replays, trying to find <clears throat> the instant where he hurt his shoulder and realizing it wasn't on the pass attempt. It was a couple plays before that where he falls on his shoulder. And, and now we wait to see what Bama is 
going to have at quarterback, how long this could be uh, out there, and you know what what Milrow can do at quarterback without Bryce Young in front of him. Now they're they're a different team and a different offense without Young there. And I like that, what, that goes without saying. Speaking of the broadcast, I thought Danielson uh, was was awesome with what he offered about having messed up his shoulder and yeah. not knowing it until he threw again. So he tore his rotator cuff <clears throat> on a, a identical a play. play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was very in, insightful. Um, you know, I didn't think I'd be flipping to this game, and then all of a sudden I saw the score gap close and flip over and watch the score gap open ag- again. But uh, interesting for a while. I don't have any. I don't know anything about the the next quarterback except that he's an Alabama quarterback, so I expect him to do just fine. Alabama basically blew Arkansas out two separate times yeah. in this game. They get up twenty eight nothing, then it's twenty eight twenty three. And then they blow them out again with that 21-point run in the fourth quarter uh, to, to close things out. Very impressed with the adjustment. It really does look like now, just over the course of a game, we saw Alabama go from pass-happy team, pass-first team with Bryce Young to back to Nick Saban's roots, which is defense and running the football. Jalen Milrow is a great runner, and he showed that when he got loose on that one really long run. Jameer Gibbs, the transfer from Georgia Tech, was terrific in this game, over 200 yards. He's another big play guy uh, for for Alabama. They've got some different running options, but it feels like with Milrow and Gibbs, they have two real home run threats. Uh, and, And Gibbs also good out of the backfield as a receiver. So Alabama's way of scoring points is going to evolve now. This is not going from Bryce Young to a Bryce Young type. Behind him, the offense changes, but I expect Alabama to continue to roll because they're very good at this. When someone goes down, and they got very good players behind them, and Jalen Milrow, I think, is a borderline five-star quarterback coming in. That's going to be just fine, I well, think. At least, at least for this first game on the road in Arkansas in tough in tough conditions yeah. to enter the game, he did very well. So now I wonder: is is Gibbs in? In the lineage now of the top tier running backs that we've seen at Georgia, at Alabama, excuse me, as a transfer, um, or or is this you know in line of what we've seen last year, where they didn't have, you know, the, uh, Brian Robinson's good, not great. By the way, Brian Robinson is is off pup or he's uh, in his three week window in the three week window <laughs> for for Washington. Um, so that's the biggest concern I would have. And maybe it's not even a concern because I think the expectation is this guy's really good. And if he is, Alabama's going to be fine. They convert 49% so far this season on third down. They, they keep possession defensively. I mean, think about where Bama would be without the transfer portal today because Gibbs is one. And then on the opposite side, you've got Henry Toto leading the team in tackles in a big game where they needed some crucial stops. And he, of course, transfers from Tennessee to Bama. Chad's favorite transfer. They've got uh, Jermaine Burton only had one catch in this game, but it was a big one. Yeah. But transfers from Georgia, who's one of their big receiver options. So transfer portal, very good for Bama. And then on the other side, you've got Drew Sanders, who's Arkansas's best defensive player, who transferred from Alabama to Arkansas. So (laughs) the portal giveth, the portal taketh away with both of these programs. I was a little disappointed in Arkansas, quite frankly, falling behind 28 nothing in this game. It just, watching it and watching Arkansas this year, I saw no signs that they were going to look that bad coming out of the gates against Alabama. I really thought that this would be a close game in the fourth quarter. And while it got close, and hey, 
in large part because that was one of the best onside kicks I've ever seen executed by a kicker. That kicker was I mean, to, on the to money. kick it perfectly and have a chance to box out the defense. He kicked it, ran around the ball, and boxed it out right at the 10-yard mark and grabbed it with his back to the defense. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that before. Poor job by Alabama uh, to not recognize that quicker, but still, great job by the Arkansas kicker. Um, but disappointed in Arkansas well, in this game. I, I'm more disappointed in Arkansas than I am encouraged by Bama, but I think the encouraging side for Bama was Bryce Young goes down and they just start running the football with ease. And, and now we go into the week that we've circled since last year, A&M in Tuscaloosa against Bama, and Bama's going to have the backup in, and, and now you, you wonder... You know, A&M's not expected, very similar to last year, not expected to do very much offensively, not expected to win this game. But Jimbo Fisher has a way of coaching well in this game, of coming up with a plan. And if it is just going to be run heavy, I'm intrigued by that, based on what we've seen from A&M's defense, because they gave up a boatload of yards to Appalachian State. We saw what happened uh, in a couple of other losses, and we can certainly get to this weekend where Mississippi State took care of them. Uh, 42-24, but this is the night game on CBS this week, and it should be a great college atmosphere, despite how bad A&M's been in, in recent what weeks. We've got a lot of question marks with Bama, even though they are currently the number one team in the country. Here's a look at the AP Top 25 poll. Georgia uh, is now number two uh, after last week, holding down the number one spot. Ohio State, they remain at three. Michigan and Clemson round out the top five. USC, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Penn State. There is your top ten. Big takeaways, guys. So, going finishing your thought on A&M Bama this coming week. Uh, two losses a year ago. Two losses this year. Coming off a loss to Mississippi State. A lot of similarities, but I'll also say this. That loss to Mississippi State a lot different this year than a year ago where A&M's defense hung in there a lot better. They gave up a ton to Mississippi State and got whipped in this game. It was a closer game a year ago. Takeaways on this, guys, Kansas. Thankfully, the AP got it right this week after screwing it up last week, and they jumped Kansas not just in the bottom of the top 25, all the way to number 19 after their win over Iowa State. We talked about Bama winning in a way they're not accustomed to winning by running the ball the way they had to after Bryce Young went out, after having to get out to a big lead and then basically blow out Arkansas twice, Kansas wins a defensive battle at home against Iowa State, which I didn't know was possible because they are a high-octane offense that's given up points this year so far, and they show they can win in different ways. So kudos to them. The other one that jumps out to me, guys, is UCLA, um, who looked great. Against Washington, nobody that, saw that. That's one a coming. team that should have lost to South Alabama. South Alabama screwed up uh, late and get a late game situation where they had a field goal to win it at the Rose Bowl against UCLA. UCLA bounces back. They get that win and they look great against Washington. That's I a thought big Oklahoma game for them this State too. I thought Oklahoma State did a really nice job against Baylor. Just wouldn't let Baylor <clears throat> maintain any contact. Um, you know, kept feeling like Baylor maybe was gonna gonna rally gonna close gonna you know get within one score and and make it a game and Oklahoma State really maintained pretty good control throughout that game I don't know where they jumped from to to get to seven but they're nine, nine they, they were nine yeah. yeah they're they're pretty good 
Well, see, so the big, the deceiving number in this for me <laughs> is Ole Miss at nine because I, I've harped on this in the preseason. The schedule. Their schedule is going to deceive a lot of people because of how you had them five easy and oh, easy. This, yeah, and and I was looking for reasons not to put them there. And in a way, I guess Kiffin is too, because he kept talking about the transfers and how everything was going to have to sort itself out early on. He had a schedule in order to do that. And credit to them. They they beat Kentucky at home. Vegas had them favored. We're all, all asking why. And and the Rebels found a way to, to beat the Wildcats. Um, and what should have been a big road victory for Kentucky ends up being a nice home win for Ole Miss. And they're in the top 10. And now they'll get into the heart of the SEC West schedule and they'll have a chance to prove their top 10 ranking. But for a team that won 10 games a year ago to be right back in the top 10 now as we enter October, that's a nice job no matter the schedule. Yeah, favorable schedule enough. They've sustained it. But they, you know, you start looking behind them. Kentucky only falls to 13 with their loss. NC State only falls to 14 after their loss this past week to Clemson. Yeah, and they so, didn't put up much of a fight. Yeah, I mean, again, like uh, Utah's interesting. So the best game of the week, and I, Chad will tell us that on Friday, but Utah against UCLA is a quiet, great game now. Because what happens if UCLA beats Utah? Where are they headed in they're this? They're the team to beat. Well, Where are they, they headed in this top 25? Because they're at 18 it, all of a sudden, and Utah would have lost twice, and they're at 11. UCLA will skyrocket in the top 25, and it'll set up a battle for L.A. with the two teams leaving the conference as the two teams to beat yep. in the Pac-12, with UCLA and USC both undefeated at that point. Going Pac-12, back to, Pac-12 not looking too bad right there. Well, of, of, overall, in terms of the bunching at least. They've, they've, had, they've had one marquee game outside the conference that I can think of, and it was Utah at Florida, and they lost. It's your list. So... It's my list. Well, your sport. It's the it's the AP's top twenty five <laughs> list. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm co- saying like, my I, sport too. I love college football. I, I, I'm saying I mean, that yeah, I, I love the sport too. But I think it's been as even point, as we've seen in a while. Point being, but Paul, they've got, the no, they got six, eleven, yeah, eighteen. But I, I'm trying to think of marquee wins for the conference against another conference. They have right. played a bunch of patsies, and they've racked up wins so far in the Pac-12. Is my point there? How did Oregon look when they went outside the conference against Georgia? How did Utah look at Florida? Lost to probably a pretty average, you know, middle of the pack SEC team in Florida on the road. That loss is only going to get worse. Well, yes. Surprising five and O teams: UCLA, Syracuse, Kansas on this list. Um, NC State. You were you were. I would have put them out of the top twenty-five, quite frankly after what I saw from them in a close win against East Carolina in this weekend. I, I continue to hear that Dave Doran teams are going to have a great offense led by a great quarterback. Um, I'll believe it when I see it against really good teams. Well, Didn't happen this week. They could be out, but they could be 10 spots lower. Here's their issue, though. It's penalties and their run game. It was their issue last year, too. Uh, sustaining some semblance of a run game to complement anything they want to do in the passing game. They can't do it. Their offensive line hasn't been able to move the pile. Same goes for the running backs. And there are 11 penalties whenever you're, you know, if you're trying to do that on the road against Clemson, you're done. And Ole Miss at nine, going back to their schedule, they play Vandy in Nashville this weekend. They're going to be 6-0. and Then they play Auburn. <laughs> They're going to be 7-0. and Yeah, five of those seven games Auburn have been home. In, in Oxford. And prior to that, I mean, they played Tulsa and a couple of others. But again... They're, they're going. They have a chance. But here's the good. Let me finish my thought here. Tennessee or Alabama is going to lose one. 
Here's the good news. The SEC West is not as good as we thought in the preseason also. Texas A&M is not nearly as good as, as the experts expected as a preseason top 10, borderline top five team. Arkansas is going to be winnable. I mean, it's Ole Miss is looking at 10 wins again I see, right I, now. I think the SEC West is just fine. They're giving us the most compelling games every week. Every time I come in here, I'm thinking, man, uh, uh, the, if you're thinking about the ACC right now, the ACC is so top-heavy. I'm looking over at the SEC going, man, uh, the, the most compelling football every week, week in, week out, is being played in the SEC and, quite frankly, the SEC West. Well, the, I, I say, I'm not saying the SEC West is bad. I'm saying when you take a preseason top-10 team and they look terrible, it's going to weaken your division. And that's A&M. And I don't know that anyone's looked a lot better than I expected. I thought Ole Miss was going to be good. They've been good. I thought Mississippi State was going to be good. Outside of a second-half collapse against LSU, they've been good. LSU probably a little bit worse than I expected just with that week one loss. But, hey, you fall behind 14-0 on the road against an SEC team and find a way to come back and win like they did against Auburn, that's never a bad thing. So it's not a bad division. I think we just expected, boy, Bama, A&M, top 10, Arkansas is knocking on the top 10 door throughout the year. It looked a lot more daunting earlier than it does now for, for Ole Miss. I, uh, I'm looking at LSU going, man, 25th. Of course, they're hosting Tennessee this week. Uh, Tennessee at eight. If that was a night game. To me, this is a, a no-brainer pick. The fact that they're kicking off at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern, is a massive advantage for Tennessee. Absolutely. News coming down today, too, that one of Tennessee's starting corners out for the season uh, with an injury, Warren Burrell, who was not playing well when he was in the game. Good news for Tennessee, D. Williams, who is a corner and a JUCO transfer, cleared to play for the first time this season. Maybe he's better than the options they've had at corner, but... This looks like another Tennessee game that's going to be a shootout, more than likely, if Jaden Daniels is completely healthy. He's been banged up. Is he able to run in this game? That's going to be a big factor for LSU against Tennessee. But that is a, that is a premier game. It's not often Tennessee goes to Baton Rouge. Last time it happened was 2010 with the wild 13 men on the field for Derek Dooley, looking like they had the upset. Mm -hmm. And then they came back and had the one play, and LSU won it. I believe the time before that, was right after Hurricane Katrina in 2005 where Tennessee erased a 21-point deficit and won in overtime with, uh, with uh, Rick Clawson at quarterback in 05. So it's been some wild Tennessee-LSU games played uh, down on the bayou, and there'll probably be another one this weekend. So, um, guys, we later we'll, we'll dive into the, the biggest losers of college football's weekend. That'll be... Oklahoma at the top of the list, but we'll, we'll also mention A&M and some of the other injuries uh, across uh, the sport. Pitt falls to Georgia Tech. We'll discuss all of that. Coming up, though, we talk some baseball. Braves, Mets, Judge still looking for 62. And then in just over 15 minutes, the latest NFL News Notes headlines on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Braves-Mets, Judge searches for Homer number 62 and... The Mariners are headed to the postseason. Here's Dave Sims of Root Sports. A lot of anxious folks out here at the ballpark. 3-2 to count. The pitch from Acevedo. A drive deep to right field. Down the line. The Mariners win this game 2-1. The dream lives. They're going to the playoffs. The drought is over. Cal Raleigh. Wow. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. That is beautiful. Great call. Fun season for the Mariners. Veteran there with Dave Sims, um, who's was the longtime Sunday night football voice for radio on Westwood One. Um, he's called many baseball seasons, two perfect games in the same season. And uh, now with Rich Sports doing the Mariners games, but has been doing that for quite some time and was doing both football and baseball. And now I believe he's just baseball, uh, at least at this point of the, the calendar. In high school, a buddy and I uh, <clears throat> once won tickets and went to Madison Square Garden to like a show that he hosted. He was a New York guy for a while before he went out to the Pacific Northwest. He was big in Big East basketball or something. Yeah, yeah he's really good. And uh, that was a cool scene in Seattle yeah. Friday night when they clinched with a home run. Uh, most dramatic fashion. You heard it there on the call. But 3-2 pitch, bottom of the ninth. To win it that way, really, really cool. Last so time they went to the, the playoffs, Mariners. Hutton was a Mariners fan. 21 years ago. Been a while. It's been a while since the, a while. the days of uh, Cameron and Buner and whoever else was on that team. They've been rebuilding ever since. It's been yeah. a long rebuild, 21 years. So um, the, the, the chase has been building for the Braves all season, trying to catch the Mets. And, you know, if the Braves lost, the Mets would win. And if the Mets lost, the Braves lost. Right around the time they were trying to catch them. And they finally got them head-to-head here. It's a shame it's not to end the season. You know, they've got, a, what, three games left against now the Marlins? But but they need the Mets need the Braves to slip up, and now they can Lose can't. three. I mean, yeah. it, it's not going to happen. The Braves aren't losing three. The Mets aren't winning three. The Braves to have to lose all three, and the Mets have to win all three. Yeah, the Mets host the Nationals. The Bra- I just looked at the odds. The Braves are minus 160 tonight. Lozardo is a good pitcher going for Miami. He's part of that. The Mets are minus 380 against the Nationals tonight. And I did that, not look at the pitching matchup. And that would be up, for the Mets to win it outright? Yeah, they, they have to win it outtright because now. There's because there's no such thing as a one-game playoff anymore. No, there's the tiebreaker. The Braves own the tiebreaker. I that, hate that. That game last night, they were tied 9-9 to on the season series. So the Braves wow. swept them and won the season series 10-9. to And I, I believe it was a weird five-game series because of a makeup game in New York, and they took four out of five. And this was not long ago. And I remember thinking, boy, the Mets just look like the better team. I think it was six, seven, eight games at that point. This was They were ten and a half games up June 5th. They were as many as seven, I believe, up a month ago. And I, the Braves caught them, swept them, owned them. And now they're a win away from winning the NL East again, which is just a regular occurrence. Need to the see Braves. how these playoffs work. I think it's better, but I don't like the elimination of a one-game playoff if you tie divisionally. 
instead of the head-to-head series during the season. Yeah. And that's only going to be reduced Because those playoff, forward. head-to-head playoff games have produced some of the classic games. No, yeah. but I, I much prefer <laughs> wildcard teams that make it as, as the wildcard teams playing a three-game series. I'm made two. As opposed yeah, to one. one-game series is ridiculous. And playoffs begin Friday, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, this Friday. They got one day off that Thursday, and then they, they, they start playing those three-game series on Friday. Paul, how close did Judge come to actually hitting 62 this weekend against I, the Royals? I don't think close. I wasn't watching uh Just looking at the scores that look kind of like a – Slug, like like a a boring series. Quite walked, frankly, walked quite a bit again. Yankees have the Rangers uh, who don't have great pitching, so I'm optimistic on that front. He's also four points off the average for the Triple Crown. Four guy, points back. Yeah, the guy in Minnesota is playing against Chicago. Chicago has better pitching than the Rangers, so I'm monitoring that. Man, I I want him to hit it just so I don't have to watch. <laughs> Whenever they're breaking into coverage anymore. And you, you want to be able to witness history in real time. So I, I, I just wish he would hit 62. It's taking about as long as it did to hit 61. I can imagine what he's yeah, the facing. Longer, you know, the, he knows he's I, on I, national TV every time he goes it's up. It's actually been now. a little, it's only been three games. I, I defended it that first weekend games. when they broke into football games a little bit with ESPN doing that. And I defended it last week. And the longer it goes on, the, well, they, the more annoying it gets last, when they break into it. Last week, they were breaking into a good game. <laughs> it was what, Auburn and uh, – was it Auburn LSU? Yeah, no. the, these games were a little tighter when they're breaking in. I'm thinking, hmm, I don't yeah. know that I'd make that, that decision. Well, everyone can handle it. Swing away. Swing away and pitch to him now. You think they'll walk him? Rangers have no reason to walk him. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine that now? Uh, coming up, NFL headlines, our biggest takeaway from week four. We'll dive in there, and then we'll keep you updated on all the injuries as teams hold press conferences across the league. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Outkick 360.